Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. I think this allows people to really understand that this this war wasn't confined to the 13 colonies. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Jack Campbell talking about the Marquis de Lafayette's proposed invasion of Ireland. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is brought to you by Discover Concord, the town where our American history began. Plan to visit and explore historic Concord, Massachusetts. For more information, visit discoverconcordma.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor Jack Campbell, and he'll be talking about the Marquis de Lafayette's proposed invasion of Ireland. There's a lot of times when we study the American Revolution that we forget that this was a global war involving two global superpowers, and global superpowers like Great Britain and France and Spain were empires with imperial obligations. Uh, That also left them with imperial weaknesses. And I think Ireland and the very anti-British sentiment that existed there, one that the Marquis de Lafayette knew all too well, uh, were ones that could have been exploited in a way that would help the Patriot cause. Again, there isn't always a direct correlation between an Irish rebellion and an American revolution, but remember, the machinations of global empires are big, Uh, And the actions reverberate in vast ways. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Tell us about your background. I am a recent graduate of the class of 2021 um, from Manhattan College in the Bronx, New York. Uh, I graduated with a degree in history. I'm currently working at the Stony Point Battlefield State Historic Site in Stony Point, New York, where I grew up. Um, Unfortunately, I will be leaving the site um, at the end of this month due to a move, but I'm looking to develop a career in history and have been doing some research there, as well as research independently for since last April. What first drew your interest into this topic? So... Uh, on one hand, Lafayette is one of my personal uh, historical heroes. He's someone I've been interested in for a long, long time. The kind of idea first started, it's a bit of a long ri- winding road. It started with my um, job at the battlefield, and I was talking with uh, one of my bosses, a site historian, Michael Sheehan, a J.A.R. Uh, author. And he mentioned that Lafayette had been to Stony Point uh, during the war, you know, crossing at King's Ferry and had been near the site. And I was so interested in that. And I decided maybe I would see if he wrote anything about that. So I found a book of his letters online um, that had been published some years ago. And 
got a pretty good price on it. So I ordered that, hoping to, uh, you know, it, it coincided with the years that he was, the time he was at Stony Point. And I figured, you know, I'll take a look at that, see if he wrote anything. I got the book. Unfortunately, he didn't really write anything of note, nothing that would be really worth, you know, writing down or of interest to the site. So I decided, you know, let me, at least I've got the book, let me put it to work. And so I was flipping through it and Ireland is something that I've, you know, Irish history is something I've in recent years really started getting a lot of interest and appreciation for Ireland is a beautiful country. I've been happy to visit before and I have um, some heritage there. So when I saw that Ireland was mentioned as much as it was in the book, that immediately caught my attention. And I started looking at all those letters that it was mentioned in and reading them. And this plan just started appearing. And it was, I mean, I was just fascinated. And it really grabbed my attention. And um, I just kind of rolled with it. And yeah, and um, it just really uh, kind of found me. How did the Marquis de Lafayette become involved in the American war effort? Lafayette is you know, one of the many uh, foreign officers that kind of are inundating the American army at, you know, towards the beginning of the war. I, to my knowledge, I believe he shows up around 1777. Um, and you know, while the American army is starting to really get sick of these officers, he immediately appeals to um, General Washington and just about everybody else he comes in contact with, um, not only through his ability to form close personal relationships pretty immediately, um, he's also able to prove himself on the battlefield. Uh, with Washington specifically, he's able to develop an incredibly close bond that not only lasts throughout the war, but throughout, you know, till the day Washington dies. And so he's there. Um, one of the things that appeals to the American cause, um, comparing him to some of the other officers that were coming over, was that he was willing to pay his own way um, throughout the war. He was ambitious. He was young. This was an exciting moment that he thought, you know, was well worth the adventure. Um, it was a cause that he really found to be, a, you know, really fascinating and interesting and that he really came to believe in. And so he comes as one of many foreign officers coming to the American army and eventually establishes himself as maybe it's not the premier foreign officer in the American army, but at least certainly one of them and one of Washington's closest, um, you know, friends, officers, confidants um, throughout the war. What was going on for some background in Ireland at this time? So I can't claim to be an expert on Ireland or its history during this moment. What I can say is that, um, to my knowledge, Ireland had been kind of actively, you know, agitating against English rule since basically the day it began some centuries before, just as it would continue to for the, you know, 150 odd years that um, England would continue its control over the island. Um, this was just 19 years or so, 19, 20 years or so before the 1798 rebellion that takes place in Ireland, led by Wolf Tone, which is uh, really um, one of the 
real prominent rebellions that happened in Irish history. So in terms of what they're thinking about the war effort, the Irish are, um, at least many of the Irish are agitating against the English probably, at least personally, if not maybe actively. Um, but there's definitely some unease, some unhappiness there, just as there had been for you know, centuries before and well over a century to come. Why did Lafayette believe an Irish uprising would be effective? So he goes back to France in 79 to kind of gain more French support for the war, help, you know, the efforts of Franklin and Adams and the ministers over there. And while he's over there, I think he's trying to get creative, come up with bigger, grander ideas, like how to really, really expand this war. And this is really part of a larger idea he has to invade England. That's the greater, greater scheme. Bring the war, not, not just to the English people, not just to their shores, not just to their colonies. Bring it to the homeland. Bring it to the motherland. Really put the pressure on you know, London, on Parliament, on the people in England and bring the war to them. And I think he's just seeing Ireland, while he's particularly passionate about Ireland, he's referring to this as the scheme of his heart in one of his letters. It's maybe, you know, it's a stepping stone of sorts. It's going to be a blow to the British Empire if it's successful. It's going to be a major victory for France and America if it's successful. And if it's successful, can lead to this greater, greater idea. It's one step closer to this greater, greater idea of invading England, of really making this a two-front war in a way it hadn't been to at least this extent. There had been actions, you know, at sea and in the Caribbean, um, and there would be during, you know, the other years of the war, but this was taking it to a new level. And so I think this is just this grand, grand idea that he really becomes infatuated with about really taking the war to a new level in Europe. Could you talk a little bit about Lafayette's great scheme? So he would have been using the French army to, and Navy to um, accomplish this. Um, what's interesting is that the French army has a contingent of Irish officers and soldiers for um who were left over from a previous rebellion. Um, and he does not want to use them. He fears that their roles in this could actually hurt them politically in Ireland, because while Ireland had a long history of kind of resistance to English rule, that doesn't mean everybody in Ireland is jumping at the bit to do this. There is still made, you know, significant support, especially among the Protestant community. Um, in Ireland for the British rule. And so he doesn't want to use the Irish soldiers who might be too much associated with um, previous rebellions, previous uprisings. He wants to kind of start fresh and kind of keep this on his own track, on his terms. And this would have you know, started with Ireland and then used that as a launching pad for England. He, um, sends Edward Bancroft to um, Ireland to do some scouting. And this is one of the more ironic 
moments of this because Bancroft, as history would later tell us, is um, a double agent working for the English. Um, so when Lafayette says that he's the only man in American in France that he can trust to do this, it's ironic. Um, he's fooled everybody, not just Lafayette. Um, and I think it would be interesting maybe to discover how much influence um, Bancroft's secret role has on what, you know, the eventual um, denial of the plan and the, the initial planning of it. And Bancroft's giving him intelligence saying, you know, you can, this is how many men it would take to attack a place like Cork, which is in the south of Ireland, a major ploy would have been a major entryway. And, you know, Lafayette gets so far into this that he's picking his staff. I mean, he's picking Temple Franklin is going to be his, his chief aide for this. He's really kind of gearing up, loading up for this. Um, and, you know, the, with the idea being gain Irish support, send in people, send in someone like Bancroft to um, really rise support from within, um, you know, get the revolutionaries who they know are there charged up, get them involved so that they preemptively, so that the island is ready, and then use, and if they're able to successfully invade and take control of the island, use that as a launching pad for the greater invasion of England. What was Lafayette writing about that led us to believe that he was very serious about this attempt? I think it's, for one, the people who he's talking to, these aren't just friends from home, these aren't just random nobles or, you know, mere, you know, low-level ministers. I mean, he's talking to Virgins, Maripas, Benjamin Franklin. He's so serious about this that he's keeping, in one point, in one letter, uh, Benjamin Franklin on a need-to-know basis, basically. He's going as far as to pick his staff. He's going so far as to send an agent into Ireland to gain um, intelligence to gain support, to start riling up revolutionary spirit. He's taking all the steps that one would expect him to take um, as precursors for this initial invasion. He's coming up with very detailed plans. Um, he's not, you know, writing this as, oh, here's, here's a really cool idea I have. He's writing this as, here's a good idea that we should really seriously be considering. Here's my plan for it. And he's eventually even getting um, intelligence from Bancroft, um, whether or not Bancroft's role um, is influencing those numbers. We don't know. I'm not sure. But he's saying, here's the numbers I'm getting from my agent of what it would take and what he's saying it could take. So he's, by every regard, taking this more seriously than, you know, it's not just a passing, fleeting idea. He's really saying, you know, here's, here's this idea, here's what it would take, and here's my plan for it. What evidence do we have that the Irish were w willing to even participate in an action like this? Lafayette mentions in one of his letters that they're not worried necessarily about Catholic support of the invasion because um, he's talking about his reluctance to use those Irish officers. And he's also talking about being careful um, to have people involved who know the lay of the land, who know the backgrounds, because he realizes that um, the people in Ireland, just because they're Irish, they're not all necessarily thinking the same. Their backgrounds, their religions could really um, be influencing them. And so, for instance, he's saying with um, 
certain members of the community, specifically Catholics, that we don't need to worry as much about who we're using because they're going to be more supportive of us no matter what. It's the more Protestant, uh, I think he specifically says Presbyterian counties that we have to be concerned about. He's specifically referring to those northern counties, um, most likely what we now know as Northern Ireland today. Um, and he's specifically saying we need to take great care to be careful of what we do there um, to cater to them because we know we can get support in other parts of the country without catering to those needs. But we do need to be careful to cater to specific positions and ideas of the people in these Protestant or Presbyterian Northern counties. So he's just based on vote letters like that, he's acknowledging that there's going to be support from certain people for an invasion of Ireland from an outside group, basically no matter what. If it means getting the English out, they can count on a certain level of uh, support. It's a matter of doing the legwork to gain that extra level. And so that's where his concern is, and that's where he feels there needs to be some legwork. But he seems it's optimistic or confident that it could happen, that you know, it's going to take some work, but it's not impossible. Do you feel that this plan would have produced the desired outcome had it actually happened? I think that it'd be really, really interesting to go back and find out. Of course, it's every historian's favorite game to play is the what the what if game. Um, I think it would have been really interesting to see how you know, whether it succeeds or fails, what effect it has on the rest of the war. I mean, it's it's a successful invasion of Ireland. What does that mean, one, for his idea to invade England? Uh, what does that mean for English support for the war? Um, what does that mean for just the French support for war? But also, if it fails, and this is a disaster, are the French really going to be that interested we're still two years away from yorktown at this point um are they how enthusiastic are they going to be about um you know you sending their navy sending their army um you know that progress that had been being made um from the american cause what effect would that have had on that um and whether or not it would have succeeded it's hard to say one way or another i think if you want to argue Yes, it could have succeeded. I think, one, it's putting a lot of trust in how much Lafayette seemed to um, believe in this and how much planning went into this. Um, you know, the letters, it, the plan almost seems to start fading away in the letters, giving kind of an impression that maybe he was starting to rein back. But maybe if he's able to do a little, get a little bit more support from outside, maybe um, depending on how good Bancroft's um, intel was if maybe he had someone who wasn't a double agent as his um, source within Ireland, you know, if he's able to really follow through, you know, if you want to say yes, then, you know, you're putting a lot of faith in Lafayette and his abilities, um, which is very, you know, possible. He was a, a fantastic general. He may have only been 21, 22 at this point, but he was an incredibly respected general at this point. He had the ear of Washington. He had the ear of the French court. 
he knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was doing. Um, so you're putting, if you want to say yes, you're putting your faith in him. And you're also putting your faith in the fact that England's going to have a split army. They're going to have a split Navy. They're going to have a split everything. And that this could be kind of an impetus to really make, whether it's bring the war in America to an end quicker or, um, you know, bring the war just to Ireland. Depending on what your goal is and what you consider an accomplishment, then yeah, it it could have. If you want to say no, um, it's just the mere thought of it can sound so far fetched just on the initial look. Um, and they, you know, an invasion of Ireland, an invasion of mainland England would have required so much manpower, would have required so much support. Um, it can really be hard to even fathom, let alone think it could work. So if you want to say no, it's, you know, not crazy to think to just dismiss that this was a really crazy idea. So I think there's definitely um, a yes argument. There's definitely a no. And I think it also depends on what you would consider a success. Because, you know, if the ultimate goal is bringing a quicker war to end in America, then it's definitely possible because this is bringing the war more focused on Europe. It's taking England's attention away from the colonies. Um, so yeah, I think that could have been possible if the idea is simply um, a liberation of I Ireland. That's possible. It would have been tough because I think, you know, the English, I think, aren't just going to allow it to be taken. It's going to be a big fight there. And if a success means a successful invasion of Ireland and a successful invasion of England, then I think it's harder to fathom, but, you know, it obviously it's the big what-if game. Who knows? I think you can argue it one way or another. Um, I can definitely see why some might initially look at it and find it hard to fathom. Um, so I think, I think it's a really interesting idea to, you know, as much as he believed in it, if um, what would have happened if this actually happened. How does this article help us to understand the revolutionary era better? I think this allows people to really um, understand that this, this war wasn't confined to the 13 colonies. This wasn't, there, there was a lot more at stake than just the 13 colonies and their leaders and what they're fighting for. I mean, there's, there's fighting going on in Canada. There's fighting going on in the Caribbean. There's fighting going on in Florida in the more frontier areas. There's fighting going on um, in the oceans. Oceans. Um, Europe is, you know, getting involved in different ways, whether it's through um, some other plans for invasion, whether it's through other countries getting involved. This kind of shows that there is a lot at stake more than just the 13 colonies. There was a lot of ideas being thrown around and that this, as big as it was, it could have been a lot better. And bringing Lafayette into it, he's been known to history as the hero of two worlds, uh, meaning the United States and France. And this could have really added a whole other dimension to it. Um, the idea of Lafayette, the Irish hero, the Irish liberator, um, obviously does not happen, but the mere thought of it, the fact that this 
was brought up just adds to our understanding of just how big this was and also how important someone like Lafayette was that he was even able to discuss this plan and get as detailed um, an idea going as it was um, that someone as young as he was, was, you know, able to hold this much influence. This is a man who had the ear of Washington. He had the ear of Franklin, Virginia, Smartpass, and he has this grand idea. And I think anytime thinking about the revolutionary era that we can further understand the major players and how far they are thinking, it can only add to our ability to understand just the scope of the war. It was, ju- it was far from a small conflict uh, or even a major conflict that's isolated on the other side of the ocean. There is a lot at stake for everybody involved, and that includes England, and includes France, and includes Ireland, and includes, you know, the, basically everywhere um, that England had its footprints on, where it, you know, its fingers and, and, you know, it just really expands our understanding of the era and what was at stake. Jack Campbell, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.